As you can tell, we're in a series called Life Hack, and as you saw there, I want to thank uh, Janine who sent me that on Facebook, and it, the actual video is like seven minutes long, and I thought I'd just let you guys go nuts on the internet afterwards and get all caught up with those, but uh, basically you kind of get the idea. Life Hack is just when you take something that's just sitting around the house or, you know, you, you, you see you normally have one use for it and then you use it for something else and you realize, uh, like, how did I ever live without this? And now you'll all have uh, your smartphone stands, you know, and you go home or whatever. And we, we do a life hack like one of these every week so that when you go to work um, tomorrow, you can kind of look smart and all that kind of stuff. But um, what we've been talking about is the fact that, yes, those life hacks are great, and we showed some other ones that were awesome, like how to separate egg yolks from egg whites with a bottle and all this kind of stuff. But God, through his word, has given us lots of different life hacks, lots of things that are available to us at any time, but oftentimes we don't really think to use them. And so uh, one of the things we talked about last week was the idea of forgiveness. And that, that what we typically think we want to pick up is justice. And so if we've been wronged, if there was a debt that needs to be paid, if, if, if we're just minding our own business and someone was mean to us, we demand justice when God wants us to use the life hack of forgiveness. Uh, we also talked about the idea that uh, when we have money problems and we're thinking about money and we're obsessed with money and there's all that, that the thing we want is more money, right? But in fact, the life hack for that is generosity. That's the thing that breaks money's hold on us. And so those are the things we've been talking about. This morning, we're going to talk about one that's very, very difficult. And that life hack is called confession. And uh, for those of you who are Catholic, you're like, you understand confession real well. You, 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 know, you, you do that once a week or whatever. You go to Mass and all this kind of stuff. Protestants, you know, we, we, we're kind of a little smug about that, and we think, oh, you have to go to a priest. Uh, we can just go straight to Jesus, you know, and we think we're awesome uh, 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 about that. But here's, here's the problem. Somewhere along the way, Christians have redefined what it means to confess. And, and the idea that we can just go to God and confess at any time, or whatever, and that's all we have to do, doesn't make for a very good relationship. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, um, we, we come up with lines like, um, uh, God forgets your sin. You know, we, 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 there, if you, depending on which church you went to, you, you might have heard that before, that God, when you, when you confess your sin, it just, he, he, for, he forgets it. Well, no, no, he doesn't. Because like, he's got sins written down in the Bible, right? Like David's sin. What does he forget that? And then he opens the Bible. What in the world? Like he reminds him or whatever. Matter of fact, the Bible says you're going to give an account for your sin. Like how, how does that happen if he forgets it? But here's the verse that, that if, you, if you believe that he forgets it, this is where it comes from, Isaiah uh, 43, 25. It says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more, and, which is great. And you're like, see, he does forget them. But if you read the whole, that whole chapter of Isaiah, it's just bathed in sarcasm. He, God's not happy with, with Israel at that point. And so he's saying, and you guys, and, and it's, you have to study the Hebrew to get this, but you guys are knuckleheads. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting ty- tired of this. We have another saying that Christians do uh, that he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. And so, like, like you know, he can't 
touch them or remember them or they're gone or whatever. But here, here's that verse, just so we're clear. As far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. Not from him. He is as far as the east is from the west. He's infinite. That's like where he lives is as far as the east is from the west. It's who, it's who he is. And, and so th- there's this thing, and we, we bought into it, that, that like asking for forgiveness becomes such a big part of our relationship that oftentimes it defines our relationship with God. That, that, that we, we get into a sense where it's like, if I feel in some kind of sick, twisted way, if I feel bad enough and I ask God for forgiveness, that's going to draw me closer to him. Imagine if you had that in any other relationship other than your heavenly father. Imagine if you got married, right? And so someone's talking, hey, tell me about your marriage. Oh, man, we have such a great relationship. Oh, she's incredible. She's incredible. She, whenever I ask for forgiveness, she forgives me. It's just, I just, you know, like we met at a club and the first thing I just came up and I just, I just told her my whole life story, everything. And she's like, I, I forgive you. And then I'm like, well, let's start this relationship together. And she was like, of course, you know, and then uh, we, we got married. And then a month later I had an affair and, uh, yeah, you'd be like, what? You had a month in you, you couldn't wait a, a month. Like, oh, no, don't, don't worry about it. She forgave me. She forgave me. I went up. I said, oh, I, I told her I cried. I felt really bad. I cried, I cried. She was like, oh, I, since you've asked for forgiveness, I will, I will forgive you. And then like two weeks later, I, I had another affair. And, but man, she was so, I, she just, I just went to her and she said, oh, I, I, I forgive you. And, and, then, and then three weeks later, I made it three weeks. Yeah, I had another affair. And then like right before I went to bed, I got down on my knees in front of her and I said, oh, I feel so bad. I was crying and would you forgive me? And you, you, asked, you brought this up and then went to sleep? Yeah, the guilt. Man, I can't sleep with all that guilt. I had to, I had to confess to her. I had to, do, I had to do that. We have such a good relationship. She's so awesome. It's kind of what she does. She kind of forgives. You know, that's just kind of a big part of her identity. You know, and then, on, and then, and then it's not just her. I mean, every week I sing her songs. I sing her songs, and they're beautiful songs. And I really feel great. And, then, and that's on Sundays usually. And then on Mondays, I have an affair. And then, but then she forgives me, and I feel really, really bad. And then Sunday, I sing her songs again. And then, I mean, come, you, know, you know where I'm going with this, right? This doesn't work in any relationship. Your kids, your, your coworkers, you're like, you know, you're like, hey, I stole from the company again. Hey, no problem. As long as you ask for forgiveness, everything's cool. You're like, okay, awesome. Took these pens home, you know, no problem, dude. You ask for forgiveness? Yep, okay, great. Have a nice day. Crash the company car. No problem, dude. Everything's fine. You ask for forgiveness. It doesn't work. Now, here's the thing. That is a big part of our relationship with God because that's why, he, that's why Jesus died on the cross was to pay the penalty for our sins. But if asking for forgiveness becomes too big a part of our relationship with God, we are missing out on another part of the relationship with our Heavenly Father. Yes, He will forgive us, but that's not what He wants from us. His goal isn't just that you walk around forgiven. 
His goal is to have a healthy relationship with you. And when that happens, when that relationship is healthy, your life goes better, okay? My life goes better. You say, well, what about that thing in 1 John, that one verse? Yes, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yes, if you come, if you're here and you've got something in your past that you want to get off your chest to God, Yes, he will take it. He, he already knows about it. But anyway, uh, but, you know, just he'll take it. He, he died for that. But if our relationship with God is just a series of, I'm so sorry, and now I'm crying, and now I'm dead serious, now I'll never do it again, and then we go back and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. What kind of relationship is that? As a matter of fact, Paul really early on in the church, knew this was going to be a a problem. And it probably was a problem for the church in Rome. And so he writes to them, kind of answering that thing. This is not the kind of relationship we want to have with God. And so here's what he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to go on sinning so that grace may increase? Like, 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 should we, if, if, if God is a forgiving God and he gives us his grace and grace is awesome, maybe we should sin more and get even more grace. Well, Paul says, no, <laughs> or by no means. In one translation, it says, may it never be. Like, that, that's a ridiculous way to have a relationship with God. That we would just sin and then that somehow draws us close or all, all that kind of stuff. He goes on, he says, uh, we are those... Uh, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Like, why would we want to keep staying stuck in that and just asking for forgiveness over and over and over again? That doesn't sound like life to me. And he goes on in verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And then he uses this kind of baptism imagery. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. God's idea for a healthy relationship is that we don't sin. Now, again, I realize how difficult that is. I realize that we're all human. I realize all that kind of stuff. But what if... What if there was something we could do that would help us not sin? You know, you think, oh, yeah, try harder. Uh, we've probably all tried that. It doesn't work. Okay? There's, there's got to be some other system in place in our lives that will help us so that it's not just, oh, I did this again. I'm, please ask for forgiveness. Please ask for, you know, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Because this is what God really wants from us. That we may live a new life. When we, when we baptize people here, we say the same thing every time. We, we, when they get baptized, they say, you have died with Christ. And that's when they go under the water. And then they can't hear the second part because I've got them held down firmly. Uh, no, uh, you, you've died with Christ and you're raised to walk in newness of life. Like there's this sense that we just die to that old self and then we, we were raised not to be more righteous than our next door neighbor or all that kind of stuff, but to walk in newness of life, to have a new life. So what do we do? How do, how do, we, 
how do we get past these patterns? How do we break out of the, the sin management business of being a Christian? Of, oh, you know, I, and I did this, and I did that, and I did, you know, all that. How, how do you, what, do you, what do you do to break out of that? Well, I think James, the brother of John, uh, gives us a really clear insight on how to do this. And let me just tell you right up front, it's hard, okay? It's hard. But, it, but here's what happens. It, the, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, um, uh, wrote a book that we call James because we, we're not very creative. I would call it like the operator's manual <laughs> because James is just filled with all this practical stuff that even if you're not a Christian, you would read it and go, yeah, totally, I've been saying that for years. Yeah, well, James has been saying it longer, but yes, absolutely. And so, um, so he has things like, you know, watch out what you say, you know, all, all just real practical stuff. But if you were to sum up James uh, his, his perspective or the thesis statement of the book of James, or uh, this is what it would be. It would be James one twenty two. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Don't, don't just come and hear it and think, oh, good. You know, I, I, I learned so much in church today and, and, and I feel so much better. Or I went to church and I felt horrible about myself uh, because the pastor would talked about the sin. And then I just, I just felt terrible. So I went to, to Jesus and I asked for forgiveness. And now, now I feel so much better, you know, because I, 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 I felt terrible. <laughs> he says, that's deceiving yourself. And, and believe me, I've, I've done it a million times in church, even like before I was a pastor. I, was, I would go and I'd hear something. And, oh, that, oh, man, that's right. No, I, no I'm not going to do that. Oh, now I feel bad. Oh, man, phew, I can, I can get into my Monday now because I feel bad enough. He says, that, that, that's deceiving yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. That's going to be one of the tickets. So that's kind of the theme of, of James. Now the problem is not that verse, because we would all say that. The problem is in chapter five, because this is really the key. <laughs> James chapter five, verse uh, 16. This is really the key to breaking that pattern of sin management. And I sin, I confess, I sin, I confess, I sin, I confess. And we never get out of where we're stuck. And here it is. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. So, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell him what you did. No, I'm just kidding. No. Confess your sins to each other or one another. Well, that, that's a little different. Right? I like just telling Jesus. Like, I like that because then it just stays in, in between me and Jesus. And Jesus and I are cool. He, we, we, he understands me, okay? He knows you can't just go stopping all your sin all at once. I mean, come on, you know. And, 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 we, and I've gotten a lot better, I'm, I'm, you know, and he knows that. And so he's patient. He's gonna, you, I keep telling Jesus, and I don't need to tell anybody else. We're working it out, you know. You, you, that, that's fine. Except for the fact that the Bible tells you to tell somebody your sin, that is lame that that's in the Bible. Here's what I found in my own life. As I get into patterns, habits, little things that maybe I didn't, didn't bother me once before, but I find, and I find, all of a sudden I find myself alone and not liking who I've become. 
almost every time to get out of that habit, I've had to get into some type of an accountability relationship where I'm saying, this is who I've become. And every single time, it's terrible. (laughs) Watch what James says. This is fascinating to me. So here's what he says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. And so you get this sense that there's supposed to be a community where everybody understands that we're going to blow it. And we all understand that we got to come clean with our stuff. And so when, when we hear something from someone, it's not judgment right away. It's like, oh, man, I, I'm so sorry you, you, that that's the place you found yourself. Let me, let me pray for you. And so that's the thing. Now, now why, why would that be? What, what do you think James is going to say next? Why, why would he say, take all the uh, difficulty of telling somebody your sin? Like, why would he do that? Here's why. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In other words, maybe God wants something more from you than just being forgiven. Like, like maybe God wants something more for you than just, you know, your sins are forgiven. Go, be warmed, or do whatever, you know what I mean? Maybe he wants us to be healed. Maybe he wants us to not struggle with that anymore. Maybe he wants us to not have to pursue other things other than him in order to find meaning and purpose. Maybe he wants us to go to him first. And maybe confessing to each other is one of the keys to break those patterns. I wrote this down. Uh, Confess your sins to God and be forgiven Confess your sins to someone else and be free. Um, as I mentioned, um, uh, this is a bit in my life, as I've had problems in my life and things that have, I've gotten stuck in, this has been the only thing that has worked for me to get out from being unstuck. Matter of fact, um, when Lisa and I just started dating, I had a problem with lying, okay? Um, well, I mean, a friend of mine had a problem with lying. No, I, I had a problem with lying. And, uh, and so I would make up stories because I, I was, from junior high, I was very insecure. And so um, I felt like if I didn't make up stories, like, like um, one, of the, one of the things I, I told one of my friends that I was in a gang. <laughs> Just take a look at me, okay? You know, and it, honestly, I blame him for believing me because it, Really, you know, it's like, what kind of gang? Like the, you know, you know, whatever. It's like, uh, but anyway, uh, so, so I would make up these stories and try to be tough and try to be all, all this kind of stuff. And so then I meet, I meet my, my, who's now my wife, but at the time she wasn't, she was just at 16 and whatever and smoking hot. Okay. So, um, so we, uh, we start dating and I start realizing I can't keep this, like, if we're going to be dating, and, and it, was, it was, like, really serious, she, 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 she couldn't keep her hands off me. And so I'm like, man, if this is going to get like this, um, I, I got I to gotta do something about this line. And God spoke to me as clear as I've ever heard him speak to me. And he's like, you got you to gotta tell her. You got to tell her everything. And I'm like, get thee behind me. You know, you do not tell me. You know, I told you 
Like, see how bad I feel? And I'm going to stop. So we're good, right? Like, why do I have to go back? Well, this isn't a foreign concept in the Bible. As a matter of fact, in Numbers, they come out of Egypt, and God's trying to explain to them how they should live as a society. And here's one of the things God says. I don't have it written down, but it's in Numbers chapter 5. Five through seven, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord, which isn't that strange that if I hurt you, I'm being unfaithful to God. God ties those things together, that confession and all these things are not just between uh, he and I. He goes, um, and so unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin they've committed. And you're thinking, great, I will. Well, tonight, at my bedside, Lord, you know what I did? I stole those pens from work. Uh, you know, but anyway, I worked overtime and I didn't get paid. You know, it's like whatever the thing is, you tell God all that stuff. But that's not who he's saying to confess to. He says, you must confess the sin. They must confess the sin they've committed. They must make full restitution. Well, that doesn't mean sneaking more pens back into the thing, right? Watch. For the wrong they've add, uh, done, add a fifth of, of the value to it and give it all to the person they have wronged. In other words, Old Testament, New Testament, when you sin, somebody better know about it other than you and God. That's hard. So I ended up telling uh, my, I told Lisa, uh, I started just tell, sharing all the stories. That, and I just figured the relationship's over. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, no, my boyfriend's really neat. He's a liar, a pathological liar. But other than that, things are great, you know. And he went to the moon. Did you know that? He's an astronaut. Okay, anyway, but, but, but like that's the, that's the thing. So I just knew, well, so it's over, you know, but so might as well. So I told her all the stories. And, uh, and, then I, I, and then I was just on a roll. And I just started going to my friends. Hey, remember that story? I, 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 I'm not a NASCAR driver, so I, you know, I'm, you know, I just wanted to let you know. And and, and like, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was lame. It, it, it was hard. I hated it. It was terrible. But for the first time in my life, I was free. For the first time in my life, I didn't have to remember what I said the first time and what I said the second time and how that relates to that and all this kind of stuff. For the first time in my life, I was living in the truth. You know where, you know where God wants you? Not going and saying, I lied again, I lied again, I lied again. He wants you to be free so that, that you're in the truth. Jesus says himself, the truth shall set you free. He's talking about himself. But that, that's that relationship with him allows you to go, you know what? I can tell the truth in any situation because I know he's got me. Here, here's, here's one of the things I, I wrote down uh, about confession. So, so confession is opening my soul to the one that knows it. Okay, Because like when we confess, we're not enlightening God about anything that's going on. As a matter of fact, he, it's worse than what you're confessing as far as he's concerned because he knows exactly w- what damage is done in the kingdom. Opening my soul to the one that knows it and to those that don't, which is hard, because what happens, there's going to be consequences, right? So, because I trust the one that does. Opening my soul 
to the one that knows it, and to those that don't, trusting in the one that does. I know, yes, there's probably going to be a problem here. And I don't know how long it took Lisa to, you know, trust me or whatever, or what, you know, the damage was. We ended up getting married, so it kind of worked out pretty good. But anyway, uh, and that's the thing. It's just, it's just that you, you, there's going to be this time when you're like, I got to just say it because I want to be healed. I want to be free. I'm just going to have to own up to the fact that I blew it. And, and, and so what, would, what happened to me was that not only, not only did we get all the stories out, and then the, the worst part of it was, like when you gear up for something like that, you have a bunch of things that are in your mind, and so you go through and you tell and you tell this person or whatever. Well, the worst part, the absolute worst part, is like a year later when someone you haven't talked to in a while goes, hey, yeah, do you still... Uh, uh, are you still in the Olympics or whatever it was that you're saying? And you got to go, oh, that was a lie. Like that. And they're like, would you do that for you know, jerk or whatever? But here's the thing that was just so amazing. And any of you who've been in C-R-A-A, D-A-E-A, you know, all the A's, right? Uh, if, if you know this to be true, once it gets out that what you've done it's not that big of a deal letting it out again. And so, so I would just get to the point where I'm like, oh, no, I, was, I'm, I lied back then. I was stupid. I don't even you know what I... But when it was hidden, when it was my identity, when I had it, the worst thing that could possibly happen is for it to get into the light because there was going to be consequences. And I would rather bet on the consequences I wasn't experiencing when it's hidden then experience the consequences that I knew I was going to experience by letting it out. And that's the tension we try to manage with our sin. If I keep going down this road, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And when somebody finds out, it'll probably be out of my control. Or I can take that risk and I can go to somebody an accountability partner, somebody who knows me that I can go to regularly and go, this is what I've been up to lately. So, opening my soul to the one that knows it and to those that don't because I trust the one that does. So here, here, here's the question that I have for us this morning. Would you rather be guilt-free or set-free? Would you rather have your sins forgiven and you feel bad and now they're, it's water under the bridge and you're done with that and now you can, oh, I'm, I've, been, I've been forgiven. Oh, you've been, you're guilt-free. And, 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 and this is the cool thing about Jesus. He does that. He does that. Or would you rather be set-free? Where now you go into this week going, you know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about being found out. I already ratted myself out. See, here, here's the problem. We have the enemy, the devil, right? He's a master at this stuff. Here's what he does. He tells you, and here's the great thing. He uses you most of the time. He doesn't even have to say anything. He just starts, you know, you do this yourself with your own mind. But it's okay. It's okay. Just do that. It's no big deal. Ah, you deserve it. No, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead. it's okay. It's not a big deal. Everybody's doing it. Eh, don't, 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 
call it that. It's not, no, just, just go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. And then when you do it, oh, ooh, you did that. You're a bad person. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell God. Well, he's already really upset. And, and, and the enemy convinces us to isolate. And once we're isolated, that's when the real trouble begins. Because now we don't have any self-worth, right? Because we've done this terrible thing. We have an enemy that's going, oh, you don't have any self-worth. Trust me. This is the best. I've never even heard of anyone doing something like that before. This is just a terrible, terrible thing. And then he's, and then he's got you. Or we work into there ourselves. Not even, don't even blame the devil. We do that, we do that ourselves. The, 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 the weird thing is the path to wholeness is letting it out of the bag, letting people know the very thing we think, well, there's no way I'm doing that. That is the actual path to wholeness. So um, I wanted to show you some things that might help you since, uh, you know, it, it, you might want to start getting into some relationship like that where you're, you're being asked the hard questions. Um, there's been several times in my life where... Um, uh, the first time I got into an accountability relationship with someone, well, I was at church. I was just married, and um, and we're at a men's thing, and the pastor says, um, he's talking about accountability, kind of the same type of thing, uh, only not as engaging. And um, and so he, he said, hey, um, who doesn't have an accountability partner? And, and so I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't. And he said, okay, great. Everybody with your hand... Uh, get connected with somebody else here, right? And so I'm sitting there, and there's this dude next to me, and I'm like, you want to be my accountability partner? Like, it's the creepiest thing in the world. And, and he's like, yeah. And so we started this thing, and he, here's some of the questions. There, it's kind of like some of the questions we asked. We had 10 questions that we'd ask each other. But these come from John Wesley. John Wesley is a part of, we're, we're a free Methodist church, and, and he was a circuit rider and a preacher and all this. And uh, his, uh, he started Methodism. And one of the methods was getting together and, and, and doing this kind of thing. Now, check out these questions. As a matter of fact, I wrote them down called, John Wesley's lame questions, <laughs> okay, because they are lame, okay, here, here, here's, I just want you to just picture, just picture sitting across from someone else, not whoever it is, I don't know who it is, and they say, this is their first question to you, ready, so you, 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 you have a nice week, watch this, um, what known sins have you committed since our last meeting? What known sins have you committed for? Yeah, it's like, it's like, can you imagine? And, and here's the thing about John Wesley's bands. Um, uh, th- that's what they called like their small groups. You, you could ask these at any time. So I, I could just walk up to you and just go, hey, what known sins have you committed today? And you, you'd have to ask me. Now, now I know p- part of that seems like creepy and like, whoa, God, it's like, it sounds controlling. It sounds like a, sounds like a cult or something. You know what I mean? It just sounds like. All they're doing is confessing their sins to one another. I don't want anything hidden. Okay? So get, they get worse. Watch this. So th- that one, you know, you're thinking, wow, you know, how about what did you have for dinner last night? Or did you see uh, Mission Impossible? Okay, here's the second one. What temptations have you met with? So, like, I don't even want to know. I want to know not only what sin you have, but where were you tempted? Like, well, if I was tempted and didn't sin, why do I really have to tell you? Right? Because the goal is not forgiveness. The goal is to be free. It's not guilt-free. It's to be set free. 
And so you have to go, well, I was tempted to, you know, like, you know. And then people, as you can imagine, the fear is that if you knew what tempted me, you, you will reject me. And in a healthy accountability relationship, that almost rarely happens. That everybody knows. So here's the next question. Uh, how were you delivered? Like, in other words, if you had this temptation, what did you do to, to not be tempted anymore? Did you run? Did, you, did the person get hit by a train? Did you like, you know, what, what was the thing that happened so that you didn't sin? Because this is really important. If, if, if it's wholeness that we're going after, knowing how to avoid sin is very important. Okay, so that's the third one. This, one, this one's lame. What have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it be sin or not? Like, like what are some of the things that you, you aren't sure whether it's sin or not, but you're, you know, you're kind of on the fence. Like, can you please leave me alone? Okay, I don't need to, you know, I, don't, you know, I have to answer every single one of these. And I remember being in, I would be in, uh, at the, uh, um, restaurant. We, we'd have breakfast. My, this one accountability partner. Friday mornings, and ju- I, we would have these lists of questions. And I just knew I'm just like I do not want to answer question six. I do not want to answer question six. You know what? Whatever that whatever that one was, because I knew what I had done that week or whatever. And so uh, here's the last one. This is so great. Uh, have you nothing you desire to keep secret? That's just a fancy way of saying, are you hiding anything? Is there anything you, 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 you know you should tell me right now? Now listen. If that frightens you, okay? Like the thought of being in that type of a relationship frightens you. You're the same as every believer I've ever met in my life. It, it, it should frighten you. Do you know why it should frighten you? So that we don't sin anymore. <laughs> and so you get to a place where you're like, I ain't doing that because I know on Friday I'm, I am not admitting to that. I am not going to do that. And all of a sudden, you're, now, now you're not asking the Lord for forgiveness. You're asking for empowerment. Lord, I, 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 I want to be able to get over this. I want to do this. But it starts with confession. And not just confessing to God. We're going to take communion right now. and um, Communion's, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it. And he took the wine and he, he uh, blessed that. And he said, this is my body, this is my blood. And it was this idea of just connecting, much like baptism, to his death. Just knowing that we too will die to ourselves in order to experience the relationship with our Heavenly Father that he wants us to experience. And so, so when we take communion, and the ushers can come forward, they're going to take it to either side of the, um, of the uh, sanctuary. And um, uh, when you're ready, you, come, you can come forward. And if you're ready to identify with this death, then everybody's welcome. And you, you can just come and, 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 and take the... Um, wafer that, re- that reminds us of his body, and we take the juice cup that reminds us of his blood, and we identify with his death. And it's very, very personal between you and God. But here's, here's the other thing about communion. It's very corporate, too. 
This is something we do together. I don't go home and in my quiet time have a little communion thing. We do it together because we know we're all in the same boat. And we all want to be healed. And so this act, as a matter of fact, Paul, some of the harshest words Paul had to say to a church was how they just privatized communion. And they weren't really thinking about anybody else. And so here's the thing I'm going to ask you to do when you take communion. One is, if there's anything on that you need to confess to God, do it. Here's the second thing. Listen to God's voice. And listen for two things. One, what do you need to tell? What, what are you holding on to that you need to tell somebody? And he might just tell you. He might have already told you already, and you're just like, this is like the worst morning ever, right? You know, because you're just going, man, here it goes again. Lord, I know I've got to put this out there. So what do you got to tell? And then who are you going to tell? Don't make it the pastor. I, don't, I can't be listening to all you guys. All, no, I'm just kidding. Right? Right. Who are you going to tell? That, that, you can, that Maybe you can set up this deal. Where like, look, can we get together weekly? I got some hard questions. Or I, maybe you come up with your own questions or whatever. But to get past being stuck. And so as you come forward, and uh, we're going to have a little bit of silent time, and then uh, Audrey will start playing some music, and then they'll start singing. But... Um, if you want to come up and, and maybe you want to kneel at the, at the stage here or you want to take it back to your seat or whatever. But just those things. You know, confess to God. He knows already. And then what are you going to tell and who are you going to tell? And um, let's see what he does. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this hard word. Uh, but we thank you that we can, we can let people know our sin because you ultimately are the one that's faithful. You're ultimately the one that's going to help us pick up those pieces. And that in doing so, we'll be set free. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.